Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land you know what they say Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. This episode of the Managing Madrid podcast is brought to you by Hotel Europa in Plaza del Sol in Madrid. I know a lot of you guys are traveling to Madrid for games in and out. Uh, We know this because our patrons have told us and asking for advice where to go, where to eat, where to stay. Where to stay is Hotel Europa. It's in Plaza del Sol. You're in the heart of downtown. You open your balcony door. You see a crowd of people. It's energetic. It's it's vibrant. It's it's awesome. It's good good to be part of that atmosphere. You close your balcony door, you get a good night's sleep because it, it kind of just shelters and, and insulates the sound away from you. Um, and this is good timing for this ad because our patron, Daniel Smith, as I'm sure you've seen by now, thanks to him, we're giving away a signed Sergio Ramos jersey and also two VIP tickets and two Burnabout tour tickets. Um, and the two VIP tickets can be a game of your choice, a home game that's not Valencia, Sevilla, Barca, uh, Atletico, which just passed anyway, uh, or Champions League. And you can choose any other game on the schedule to go to as your two VIP tickets. Um, it's a great giveaway. How you enter is you got to be a patron, patreon.com slash managingmadrid. It's for our $10 plus patrons. So um, just ensure that you, you pledge $10 or more. And then you go and comment on the post on our Patreon page telling us why you want to win these tickets or why you should win it and you'll automatically enter to win. So two things you gotta do, your homework. Become a $10 patron, then go comment on that post, and if you win, you book Hotel Europa, and they got your back. Without further ado, this is the Managing Madrid podcast from an undisclosed park in Madrid, the day after the Madrid Derby with Robbie Dunn of Diario As, ESPN FC, and into the Calderon. Let's go. Welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. This is your host, Kian Sabani, live in Madrid, in person with Robbie Dunn of I Lost Track. You write for ESPN, Into the Calderon. Uh, please. Yeah, Diario Ass. Save me. Diario Ass. Yeah, that's pretty that's much it. That's a big it. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, you and I were both at the game last night. What were your thoughts? I, I didn't get a chance to see you. It's a blur. There's a lot going on. But um, your initial thoughts, nil-nil, deserved? Right scoreline? 
um, fair result. Yeah, it's oh, well, maybe not necessarily. I'd, but in, in terms of how I suppose Simeone and how Atletico would have planned that, how they would have saw that game going, then it was exactly how it worked out. But then Real Madrid got a lot of chances that, and as we were just saying on the way here, one of those goes in, and the whole conversation that we're about to have changes. The whole complex of the complexion of the game changes, and and the whole um, uh, debate surrounding it changes. So. Um, mm. Yeah, and in terms of how Atletico saw it and and going and how how we're used to um, seeing Atletico line up against Real Madrid, I think it was pretty much uh, par for the course. But Real Madrid far more uh, possession based, dominant, and in that second half, I mean, okay, I understand. There's 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 a Simeone style of defensive play that's that's structured very not and doesn't. When they don't panic, uh, it's 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 like that's what they planned. But I think for a lot of times last night they were just hanging on for dear life, and that that's not uh, a defensive structure. That's just hoping for the best. That I, that to me that's the margin of error because we were talking about this mm. before the podcast. You just mentioned it now. Asensio scores one of his chances, and all of a sudden it's one nil. <clears throat> the tone changes from oh this this kind of this style of play is outdated to you know. Great defensively in the sense that Atleti had very, very few chances. You can see that in their expected goals. You can pinpoint, like in the first half, you had the Griezmann breakaway, which Courtois saved. Um, but in, in general, the tone completely changes. The flip side is, I think if Real Madrid score, Atleti find a way to just score a last-minute goal anyway, because they did that like the last 10 years, I find. Or alternatively, Atletico get a little bit more ambitious if they went 1-0 down and then Real Madrid end up scoring three. So it's like, listen, that's the discussion, more of a... Uh, projecting as to what might have happened if this happened, but that's comes down to as well why it, it, it's about process rather than results, and we can only discuss the result. I guess obviously there's another debate there to be had as to who played better, who deserved more, uh, the expected goals. But at the end of the day, they shared a point, and um, that's all that we can go on. But certainly, I think I think yeah, I, th- I, th- uh, I I'm not sure because given the fact that. There's this debate obviously going on about Atletico Madrid being uh, being an underdog for years they were that and all of a sudden that's that narrative is kind of changing because of the big purchases they've bought they, they they've invested heavily in the last couple of years they've got their big new stadium they're they're much more of a of a they're a much bigger team than they once were so so there's more expected of them and I think they expect more of themselves and I think that they know that and but at the same time when the pressure comes on against Real Madrid you do revert back to who you are and I think that's what happened with, with Atletico Madrid but I think they expected more of themselves I think Real Madrid expected a lot more of them in the first half which is why we saw that more kind of back and forth but once Real Madrid realised and also I think we need to discuss and I'm sure we will discuss Danny Ceballos' role in yeah. the control of the game and their creativity and everything that he just changed the entire he, he opened the whole game up for everyone he improved everyone around him he made it harder for Atletico to defend him to defend them and uh, yeah I think um, I think once once that change happened at half time obviously forced with the bail injury but that's when Real Madrid realised okay this is here for the taking and that's when Atletico realised okay we're going to have to be happy for a point here so I think that point about Atletico kind of not no longer being underdogs like the amount of talent they have on the pitch the signings um, the amount they've spent all great players too like you know you look at some like Rodri was fantastic I, I thought um, yeah. and I and, and um he was just a bargain of a signing. And you look at how they've kind of reversed this underdog um, label that they have. They're not per- completely out of it, but they're really, really, they've come a long way since, like, you know, before the Simeone era. It's still, like, amazing to me, despite all that, they have this, like, compromise or um, nonchalance about how unspectacular they are. Like, they don't seem to be bothered with, you know, being flashy or dominating or racking up the goals or but they just want to be solid and they want to get results which is which is fine i mean it's 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 great it works i think for the amount of criticism that came lopetegui's way last night far overshadowed anything about how good atletico were and i'm not saying they were good in the sense that they attacked they put pressure on real madrid because they didn't really didn't create much their defense really really held up in a way that i always felt like Real Madrid this season, if they, if they're kind of knocking on the door, teams will just eventually collapse. Atletico are just not bothered. They, they don't. They're patient. They don't care if they don't have the ball. 
Jimenez was fantastic in this game. Mm, um, yeah. They really, like Juan Fran and Felipe Luis, both excellent on the, defending on the flanks. They were compact. Godin was great too. I mean, the, Godin and Jimenez just were clearing everything. And I think, like, it's my point is, it's just not easy to score against this team. So I understand, like, you know, Real Madrid in the past, they had Ronaldo, which, by the way, even with him at home at, against Atleti, it was never a clear cut. Never easy, no. Never easy. And, um, I mean, I think you can argue there are different little things that Lopetegui could have done, sure, um, especially with the subs. But I, I'm not sure what else you really want, apart from you want maybe more from Asensio and Benzema um, and Asensio to take his chances. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and I, I, yeah, Simeone did a, an interview with, and it's interesting to, to, to view how Simeone sees Atletico Madrid because he said, he was speaking uh, during the international break. He did a big long interview at one of the radio stations here in Spain, and he was he was talking about teams that don't have any history. And, and he, he literally said PSG and Man- Manchester City don't really have any history in terms of identity and who they are, and, and like the way Manchester United are seen as uh, uh, wit, uh, pace, attack. You know that's how they're seen. That's how their fans see them. That's how managers coming in. That's how they should base their selection process on managers coming in. Can they adapt to that? Uh, stuff like that. And, and Simeone said, Atletico Madrid, historically, are a counter-attacking team, strong, physical, and uh, defensively solid. That's how Diego Simeone sees Atletico Madrid, regardless of whether they buy, uh, spend 100 million or 200 million. That's how he sees Atletico Madrid, and he will never deviate too far from uh, from that. And that's and they have to buy players based on how he sees his team. And I think that uh, that we saw that, and it's the same with well, uh, Lopetegui is kind of changing um, the way uh, Real Madrid have been the last number of years in terms of counterattacking. Well, that has been changing over time. It's really obvious now. But also, I think I think you have to remember as well is that when Isco is out, okay, Real Madrid are so hard to plan for because they've got so many. Like if you say, for example, drop Asensio and play Isco, that's an entirely different proposition than your four-three-three. And Isco plays a completely different role than anyone in that team. Isco appendicitis out, mm. definitely. Yeah. Uh, Marcelo out. They knew that. And Simeone, all of a sudden, his 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 planning goes from we have to plan for X, Y, and Z. All of a sudden, it's we've planned for X, maybe a little bit of Y. But it's so much easier to plan against Real Madrid when the injuries. And I think Lopetegui wasn't helped by that. And I think Simeone was definitely helped by that. Now I know. Again, Ceballos, come on. Yeah. And uh, that was a little bit of, out of the blue, I would say, based on his performances and his influence in games in recent uh, since he joined Real Madrid. But I think um, I think Atletico had a, an easier assignment than they would have had Isco and Marcelo not been out. I think that's that's huge. Like, Because yeah. those are two of our most unpredictable players, Isco and Marcelo. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that we I had this debate with a couple of journalists last night at the game. What, you know, like, well, do they really miss Marcelo because of the way he played with Sevilla? And I'm like, yeah, because in this game, how much did Nacho have to do defensively? And yeah. how much would Marcelo have to do defensively? I don't think he would have been tested that much. And I think there were a few times where, like, by the way, Cruz, like, just phenomenal again with his passing. I think there were a couple of times where Cruz had it on the left side. And he's just asking Nacho to make that run. Yeah. And he, Nacho, to me, kind of looked tired. And, and um, he hasn't really been himself. Mm. Marcelo was obviously going to make that run. Marcelo's yeah. going to dribble through. Nacho tried to dribble through Juan Fran a couple times in the first half, but really I thought Juan Fran did well. But also I think they made it easy for Juan Fran too. Yeah. It wasn't until Vinicius Jr. came in and tried to go a little bit at Juan Fran, but Jimenez was there to mop it up too. But I mean, like to me, Ceballos brought what Isco was supposed to bring, but Isco wasn't there. But we never really were able to replace Marcelo's influence that wasn't there also. yeah both good and bad because it's boom or bust with Marcelo and that and, and, and a player like that maybe might have worked for Real Madrid and they could have won 3-0 based on his how much attention he draws to that side of the field yeah. and or alternatively Atletico Madrid might have attacked a little bit more if they knew that Marcelo was like when sure. when they brought uh, Correa on mm-hmm. I think what what Simeone had planned in that instance was that he brought Correa on to maybe give Ceballos a little bit more to do mm. 
but it didn't work out that way in the end because uh, and, and and Nacho had him pretty well wrapped up and then they made the change and brought Saul on Ceballos which which uh, and, and I think that was smart from Simeone because they had to do something mm. and I think Saul is, is uh, actually really impressed with Saul when he went in that role like he didn't panic he didn't he didn't really um, he didn't really do all that much but I was just kind of watching him on Ceballos because I was so unbelievably impressed with Ceballos yeah. last night yeah. that um that that's all just just knew how to play him i suppose maybe that's because he's kind of a similar and ish player too he knows that central midfield role and he knew exactly how much space to give him how much to kind of lay off him and maybe kind of lull him into certain areas but i think Saul that after that i was kind of like okay now we've got to draw on our hands here after that once Saul went out on the right i was kind of thinking right that should do it now um, whereas before that, it was very unpredictable. It was very up in the air. I wasn't sure what was going to happen with Correa, because I mean, for for everything Angel Correa talked about boom bust, like for everything Angel Correa can give you with that kind of drop of his hips and, and his ability to go around players, he, he he loses the ball so many so yeah. many times, and he did it last night. Like players just getting a, feet, a, a touch in on the ball and losing it, and he falls over and. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I think yeah. defensively it wouldn't be all that solid. I, I mean, Correa's kind of hit or miss he has been for the last couple of years. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. he has surges where he's just unstoppable. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think, but I think that also goes is, is a testament to Real Madrid, whereas, like, athletic players, whether it was Correa or even Griezmann or Diego Costa, who they, they just looked up and they really weren't sure where to go from there. Yeah. If they were getting the ball deep in their own half, they didn't have the numbers to counter. Real Madrid didn't give them space. And I think, like, uh, Casemiro was great, snuffing out attacks. Ceballos, when he came on, was winning the ball high up the pitch. Yeah. Um, Sergio Ramos, who hasn't been impressive this season, I thought last night yeah, was quite he improved. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially early on, where I thought they had a, you know, they had their moments. Sergio yeah, Ramos yeah. stepped up, had a couple of crucial interventions. Um, your point about Sa- Saul and Ceballos is really interesting to me, and I think, to me, when Ceballos came in, and he changed the game, and I guess this is essentially where we talk about Ceballos. Um, what he brought that Real Madrid didn't have in the first half is that kind of just incisiveness, the vision to see a pass no one else sees, mm. constantly looking forward, looking for a sense, just cutting runs or passing it, and then moving behind the lines himself. That kind of, I guess, lack of segnancy is what Real Madrid needed. Um, and he's, he's, he's quick. He plays really quick. He plays efficiently. He has this degree of unpredictability. When Saul was on him, Saul, like, and then to me, Simeone is like, I need to stop the source of this, which is Ceballos, right? Because mm. it was his chaos that he was bringing. So that helps. It's interesting, though, the dominoes of that. Like, yeah, you started to see, like, say, yeah. Modric and yeah. Casemiro free for shooting, like, on the right side, yeah, or Carvajal's overlapping runs, right? Yeah. I, I believe, I don't know what minute this all happened, but a sense you had that great chance where Kroos passes it to the right. Yeah, it I seems like a lefty just kind of collapsed to the left a bit. Yeah, and Cruz was decent in the first half, but but it, but it was all very kind of congested. Ceballos come on, and, and even, I suppose, you'd need a, you'd need a chessboard or like a, a, a blackboard here to, to logis- logically speaking, and, and just in terms of how it all fit. When Ceballos comes on, he links better with, with Cruz, which, which which opens up spaces uh, for Benzema to kind of drop. Because when Benzema drops in that 4-3-3, when he drops... Like it's 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 more difficult. He's dropping, and nothing is happening. Like you know, and and he he just becomes anonymous. Whereas whereas last night he started dropping out to the right, and he was getting involved, and then the overlap was coming, and then Cruz yeah. was finding himself in space, and yeah. and then across the other field or the other side of the field, Asensio was wide open, and because they were drawing men in, because those links and those combos and everything, and in the first half just it wasn't there it wasn't happening uh, it was just kind of more Real Madrid wait, uh, waiting for a moment from uh, uh, like um, their plan was waiting for a moment of mercurial magic from someone but yeah. uh, it was it was um, the second half was way more um, uh, strategically laid out for yeah. Real Madrid to, to do damage and I think they, they really got at Atletico uh, I, mean, I think they, that's what they needed was like just numbers in the midfield to start controlling the game a bit because in the first half um, you look at the chances that Real Madrid created. It was literally like Bale yeah. shooting from like fifty yards. Yeah, either that. And I mean, that's a great for for Bale. It's like probably a good shot, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, it, to me, it was unfortunate that Bale got injured because I think Ceballos made sense in this game to come in. Um, that it had to be for Bale. Like I would have liked to see Bale and Ceballos together. Um, yeah. I think that would because the other thing that Bale brought was aerial presence, mm. where. If Jimenez is picking out crosses all day, Carpacal has like seven crosses when I check. Jimenez 
and Godin were clearing everything. Yeah. And you look at who they're clearing it from, it's like Modric, Asensio. Yeah. Same thing that happened against Sevilla, by the way, and the game before against Espanyol, where Odriozola and Carvajal, or Carvajal or, or Nacho would look up for a cross, and who are they really crossing mm-hmm. to against these behemoths? It's these yeah. little players. And that's why I thought also Mariano would have probably made sense in the second half at some point, too, was just to kind of get on the ends, because no one's going to beat Jimenez and Godin in the air. Yeah. Unless you're Bale or Mariano. But I, I think also that it was a little bit too congested in the centre for a player like Mariano. Mm. He, he's the kind of guy that would probably relish a couple of, couple of um, goal poaching opportunities more so than than uh, Benzema, who's dropping out. And I think it suited Benzema more. But see, this is the issue you have with with your strikers. At, at but present. even someone to like Mariano to just suck those defenders away to create because everyone it seemed like was just floating in and around the box and no yeah. one. It seemed like Atletico didn't have to worry about that presence to deal yeah. with. Like, if they had just someone to think about. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. No, that's actually very true. And and and, and, and when I say Benzema, like, in, in terms of uh, Benzema, like, wh- wh- he's not he's not a focal point. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that, that he, they missed that so much. Now, now, last night, Real Madrid almost had... Well, they did have chances based on, on what Ceballos did and, and, and what we've just spoken about. But they... Uh, at, at no point, and no, at no point against Espanyol almost, and at no point against Sevilla was 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 Benzema like just listen, la- launch it into me here, and I'll scrap for it. Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm not saying that's a uh, 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 plan that you want to take into games and, and rely on, but yeah, in terms of Mariano, just like here, send it down here, and I'll battle someone and maybe do something. But um, I think that that's definitely what Real Madrid miss sometimes with Benzema, and it's like it's like that time in the Simpsons you know the guy is like it's a fine it's a fine pool but sure it is no barn or the other way around I was thinking like Benzema he's a fine winger but he sure is no striker I was thinking like because he's not a, a, a striker and at the moment he's not fit for purpose as a striker I, I would say and I don't, I don't want to be too harsh and started the season well but he's not fit for purpose as a striker he's uh, faded a little bit too since that hot start and um, I think one of the things that this also goes back to giving credit to Atleti. There were moments where he was in a situation where he could try to create for himself mm. or get a shot off, and he was just swarmed by four Atleti players, mm. and he would dribble into them, and it was done. It was the attack was over. Yeah. Um, and though, and that also, you know, again, Atleti, I thought were tremendous in kind of just denying space. They have this knack about them that they show you space yeah. and make you think that you can switch it there or something, <laughs> yeah. and then it's gone when the ball goes there. Yeah, yeah. How quickly do they catch up to that Asensio breakaway? Yeah. Um, how quickly did even you know Bale had a couple moments in the first half where he looked like he was in the position, and they just swarmed him and yeah. it was gone. Like they they can do that. They, yeah, they've become experts at it. Yeah, <laughs> like they've yeah. done it for so long, and it's something that they it's an aspect of their play. And they yeah they they they're really really good at that. There was a couple with Asensio actually when he broke free, and uh, while while they were really really dangerous, it almost felt like dude, when you look at it, uh, fair enough, you have the result to base it on. But it was like that wasn't as maybe dangerous as it wasn't as dangerous as if, if it was another team playing like no. you know uh, and I think yeah I think Jimenez got booked actually for one, at one stage when he closed when he closed Asensio down mm-hmm. but um, yeah no they're, they're really good at that and I think that yeah I think yeah, I think it was a classic Atletico performance when they did kind of dig in and, and, and while they're not maybe they can't play like that against 95% of the teams in La Liga when they do have to go back and do it they're they still remember how to do it. It's still an automatic... Uh, uh, it's an instinct. It's yeah, a habit. Yeah, it's a exactly. habitual thing. Yeah. Um, I think we should get to questions. Mm-hmm. So these are all questions for our patrons. Some of us will take us back to the game. Some of us will take a, a look at what's next, the upcoming schedule, how yeah. to deal with the injuries we have. So um, patreon.com slash managing is where you get, go to pledge, get guaranteed responses to your questions. First question is from Sajid Reyes. He says, there's been a lot of talk uh, of all the... Th- the things and reasons um, and how we've slowed down in our last few games. I've heard little talk on how Isco's absence has affected us. For me, he is the best line-breaking presence we have and the best exponent we have in the final third in terms of chance creation. How much of an impact has his absence had and will, and how much will it affect future games? We talked about this a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think Real Madrid is lucky in the sense that this upcoming schedule eases a bit. We also have an international break. Um, appendicitis is no joke. It's, I mean, it's not a life-threatening thing, um, but 
it, the recovery is long. Yeah, months. Yeah. Surgery. Yeah. Can't exercise for a while. So I think um, again, it goes back to like Sabios epitomized what we wanted in this game, which mm. is what Isco would have theoretically brought. Um, Tony Kroos to me, this is all related. Tony Kroos to me is is still one of the most underrated players we have in terms of just creating from nothing. Mm. Um, passing stats are continually fantastic. Last time I checked before this game, he had the best passing accuracy in Europe. And uh, he has the most long passes per game. Those long passes just can completely destroy defensive lines. Atletico obviously a bit different because they play deeper, so you can't really hit them with that you know, dagger pass as, as much. You can't get Bale in the end of through passes, which forces Bale to play deeper. Um, and that chaos that Isco would have brought would have obviously helped in this game. Um, but what goes back to Cruz is that oftentimes Cruz would just kind of be at a loss to see who he can pass it to and create danger. Sevilla, he had no options. Mm. This game, um, I think he had options to an extent, but Isco would have helped a little bit also because Isco plays a lot on the left um, in the, in, and, and would, would have tried to link up a little bit and try to get him behind the lines. I don't know if you have anything to add because I know we've talked to about Isco quite a bit so far, but yeah, no, yeah, I, uh, I, like I find it Cruz is a diff is not a difficult one, but it's a strange one because you have to be, I think, and like I kind of stay away from this a little bit, based on the fact that obviously everything you said about him is true, and he's obviously a, a world class midfielder, but th like there's different shades, I guess, of of world class midfielder. He's not the kind of player who who's who's going to. And I don't know whether it's uh, uh, like just a charismatic thing, whether it's uh, a leadership thing. It's kind of similar with Ozil. He's not going to ch change a game, I guess. And I'm not, I'm not uh, <laughs> putting him down here or anything. He's going to be brilliant when when you're brilliant, when when the team is brilliant, and he can be secretly brilliant, I guess, or, or kind of under under. Uh, He's not that alpha male type stuff who just kind of will like and. You know. Yeah, and I think, and, and, and back to the question about why they, they slowed down a little bit, it's because Modric is that player. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that time and time again. And, and when, when you look at Real Madrid over the, and I think history is going to be, it's hard to kind of put a, a figure or put a, put a uh, factor of importance on this. But I think if you look back at Real Madrid's successes in the Champions League in the last three years, Luka Modric is the key to everything. And, and and even in games where he's not all that influential, he is the the, the leader. And he, yeah. uh, without really being all that vocal, he is the the driving force behind that team. And I think he came back from the World Cup. Obviously, he's been exhausted. There's been questions, uh, and I think you find that press conferences like a lot of the report, reporters who ask questions, they know a little bit more than they're maybe allowed to say, or that maybe they they've heard something and they just want to maybe confirm it, and they can't just come out and say, "Here, I heard about." this what do you think I think everyone knows that Modric is a little bit he's not he's not unhappy at Real Madrid but I think he certainly had doubts in the summer and and like and like he's had a whirlwind last maybe six months or whatever from May no all through last season Real Madrid utterly disappointing in the in the league week in week out disappointing just flat out disappointing they go and win the Champions League their third in a row make history incredible then he goes and plays with his country without having getting a proper break he drives them to like the most unlikely World Cup final like on the crest of a wave they get beaten he kind of obviously we don't know exactly how much um, truth is behind the Inter Milan stuff but there's obviously a, there is something there they were, they were kind of pushing it a little bit he He's did come out and deny it though yeah yeah but but I think I, I think that I think I don't know I think that there was definitely more. I think there's something behind. Yeah, I, I think definitely. And uh, okay, so 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 he's also exhausted. Just questions being asked. Lopetegui's like, what's what's going on with Modric? Look, you know, and 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 Lopetegui arrives in and 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 he has to deal. And this is the issue I had with Lopetegui taking the job, and why a lot of the kind of top coaches that were that were that were linked with the job didn't take it is because you're dealing with a team that how do you motivate a team that just won three Champions Leagues in a row because Zidane knew himself it's like it, it was a really smart move by Zidane I was like what else can I achieve here yeah. and I think Modric is looking at it going what else I'm 32 what, like, what's expected of me here and what do I expect not even do the fans expect of me but what do I expect of myself like, like I've done it all pretty much Like, and even even the the disappointing league campaign last year. They had won La Liga just before that. 
So they've won literally everything. And I mean, there's, there's this kind of fall-off and there's this debate. And I, Anyway, back to the point. Yeah. Modric is the reason why Real Madrid have slowed down. Yeah. And then you've got, obviously, Isco's hugely... And Isco's another guy. We're talking about creativity. Cruz, back to my point, is that Cruz isn't going to be the kind of guy who's going to... Okay, he, he like... And I don't mean this to sound disparaging of him, but he's not going to win or lose you a game. In terms of... In terms of... Okay, maybe he might win you a game, but he's not going to win you multiple games and and, and drive a, 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 a an exhausted team to the end line. Sergio Ramos probably will. Luka Modric probably will. Isco has the ability to do that based on his creativity and things like that. But I think that when you have a drop off, you've got Isco missing. Obviously, you've got Modric exhausted. I think that's why. Yeah, you've and and also you've got Lopetegui coming in. There's loads of different factors to it. But I think that's why we've seen a little bit of a fall off. And also they've had a really difficult schedule. Uh, over the last couple of weeks yeah. Sevilla away never an easy game for Real Madrid on a, on a Wednesday night then you've got and also and I know that managers say partido a partido game by game but they've also got to think about Atletico Madrid oh, they, they, in three 100% days 100% they plan yeah, yeah they so can, I mean yeah. you know like you're looking at it and you're like how do, how do I rotate here do I and, and because if I if I don't rest players against Sevilla it looks like I'm kind of not taking them seriously enough and then if I do rest play, if, if I if I if I do re- if I don't rest players, I don't have my full complement for Atletico. If I do rest players, and then I lose both games, and it's a failure on every end. So it's so so difficult for Lopetegui to deal with. And then you got a couple of injuries mounting. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Audrey Azola. I don't, like I mean, Real Madrid's yeah. It's, it's just uh, it's 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 a really interesting time. You guys are managing Madrid of a lot to. Uh, oh, it's to not it's nonstop. Through. It's nonstop. Uh, a lot of noise to filter through and just yeah, try to yeah. get our best analysis out there. That to me. Uh, so far, a bad sign has been the form of Modric and Asensio. No one's mm. talking about it, but yeah. Modric just hasn't been himself since yeah. the World Cup. He has mo- he has had moments of genius. Yeah. Um, I don't know how well he's getting accustomed to Lopetegui wanting to play further up the pitch while Casemiro and Cruz play deeper because he's kind of used to being this player. And I wrote about this uh, on Friday or Thursday or something. Um, he's the kind of player who just wants to be involved, help mm. defensively sling, you know, deep-lying, playmaking yeah. things, great passes from deep. Uh, I don't know how much he enjoys being, like, more of a passenger. He's consistently um, the lowest in terms of touches in the midfield and defense. Yeah. Um, he doesn't see the ball as much as he did last season. He's definitely not the focal point he was in the World Cup. And when he gets the ball, he seems like he's... I wouldn't say he's trying to do too much, but he doesn't look himself. No. He used to have this thing about him where once a game, he does a really bad pass, gives it away, and it's shocking, but he, get, he gets it out of the system, right? Yeah. And he's brilliant for the rest of the game. He's having more of those this yeah, season. Yeah, he had three he's or had, four last He has right, had three, three or four, but like, there's no one around him, and he just, he just passes it to him by the player, and, and I thought he on a counterattack. That, to me, is, is, a, is, you know, and I don't want to read too much into it, but I want to, and I'm not usually the type of journalist who looks this far ahead, because I think it's impossible to predict, and Modric next week is going to have a, the most brilliant yeah, game of his yeah. life and rebound. It doesn't matter. Um, this is such a pivotal year for him and Kovacic in terms of what happens to both of them next season. Because yeah. if Real Madrid are in a situation at the end of the season where they say, I think we can survive without Modric mm. at this stage of his career. And right now Kovacic looks great under Sarri. Yeah. It's just a, it's a, it's a no-brainer of a swap. Because... But, it, yeah. yeah. Sorry, but so, so Kovacic... And this, this is... Okay, so this come back to the, everything. Or, and if you want to discuss the whole thing in context of The Modric, whole big picture. He had he had a and I'm not entirely sure how close they were as but the two, like I mean if you're playing at a team and, and uh, if I was playing Real Madrid and another Irish guy came in we're gonna bond we're gonna be close we're gonna look out for each other things like that especially a younger guy who Modric kind of takes under his wing did he Kovacic leaves all of a sudden Kovacic is smiling happy new lease on life Modric is looking at that going like am I missing something here and then and then you've got. Uh, uh, in terms of okay, so let's go back to the Atletico Bilbao, Athletic Bilbao game. Okay, yeah. Modric is Modric. They played in a four-one-four-one, and this is what I'm saying back to Cruz. Okay, so Cruz can't play. Well, not that he can't, but he couldn't in that game. Depends play, on the game. Yeah, playing that role. Okay, Modric and Ceballos were two. Uh, it was four-one-four-one. Modric, Ceballos to the left, Modric to the right. Neither effective whatsoever. Ceballos, uh, yeah, Ceballos hooked at half time, and that's when Modric kind of started to kind of free up he's playing as an uh, so there were two number 10s we'll say in, 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 in that instance it didn't work because he was vying for spaces with Ceballos and, and, and then when Modric went as the sole number 10 kind of in around that area he started getting a little bit more of a grip with it, to, with it but he's kind of fighting between playing as a number 10 and, and as you said playing as a as an influential central midfielder yeah 
I think that's changed under under Lopetegui. And yeah. we see it all the time where managers come in and the, the, the most world-class players and a manager comes in and I'm not suggesting that Lopetegui doesn't trust Modric or he doesn't rely on him. But he comes in and has his own image of the way a midfielder should play and, do, and, and he sees Modric in a certain way that maybe Modric doesn't see himself. And I think that you have to deal with that after... Uh, three solid years under under Zidane, where Modric, I mean, you, you could you could pick the team a week in advance, barring injuries, and you'd know exactly how, who and when they were going to play, like it, or and how they were going to play. Whereas now it's kind of we've seen a four-one-four-one, we've seen different variations with Ceballos, we've seen uh, Isco playing uh, in a kind of maybe a four-four-two-e kind of uh, you know, and you see all these different variations. But I think Modric is. And then you get the exhaustion and the, the kind of motivation, questioning everything about his career mixed into all that. And you've got a player who looks way far away from his best and, and uh, despite him winning that award just recently. But uh, yeah, like, I mean, obviously he's world class and that and he'll be fine, I think, in the long run, as you say. But he needs to find his feet under Lopetegui and he needs to, uh, he needs to maybe... Uh, yeah, rest for a week or so, or whatever, however long it takes, and uh, get his get his uh, I don't know his his, his verve back. Uh, and, okay. yeah. Sorry, on Asensio. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say on Asensio. So it's really, it's really, and you were saying about filtering out the noise, mm. uh, and and okay, so and we're talking about results solely based on results. Asensio sco- scores a worldly, mm-hmm. and and and. You're supposed, it's kind of like my opinion, say, on Cruz, is that I kind of see him a little bit differently than I think the rest of the world sees him. And you have to be careful in terms of going completely iconoclastic, completely against the grain because the wisdom of crowds and all that. But Asensio, we're told, after he scores a world-class goal, he's going to be world-class. That's it. He is, And he is. He's going to be world-class. He's brilliant. And he's going to be brilliant. But I think he's struggling at the moment with a little bit of maturity and not in terms of off the field or anything like that who he is as a player there's a like and and finding his feet as the ma- as one of the main guys because i mean we're looking at he's replacing cristiano ronaldo basically in 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 a, in 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 a sense like he is replacing cristiano ronaldo that is absolutely huge there's so much weight on his shoulders and he wants that and eventually he will come around to it but it there takes a time to adjust it was last night in the first half, I thought he was. I, I, I thought he was against Espanol. It was kind of similar. There was a couple of chances where he broke free, kind of headless or something. He looked a little bit kind of lost as he drove forward. In the first half last night, he just kicked the ball thirty yards ahead of him and thought he was going to run onto it. And, and you know, and I was just oh, like, I remember. I took a note on that moment actually. And I was just like, that, he, ha- he had to be aware of his surroundings. Yeah, he, he did, like he, I, he didn't know. Like he, there was no way he was going to get that. It was yeah. I, I think he was just trying maybe to do a little bit too much. Not even trying to. He just wasn't sure what he was trying to do I think and he he, he had this image I guess of him of him uh, defining the game and he wanted to do that quickly all of a sudden and I think it there comes a little bit of maturity that he needs to kind of he's, he's still only 22 or, or whatever age is early 20s and uh, I think that that will come in time but I think we need to kind of temper it because he scores a worldly you're like looking at it going but overall he wasn't really great and he wasn't really because he, he tends to kind of go missing in games as well, I find. Games tend to pass him by a little bit, which will obviously come in time. But I think we need to kind of temper that a little bit and, and realise that he is still a young player. And like any young player, there's going to be uh, fluctuations more so than a 28 or 9-year-old. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I wonder if there's... Last night there seemed to be a bit of a mental... Lack of mental sharpness. I don't know mm. if it's mental fatigue or whatever. He's playing a lot in the post-Ronaldo era. Mm. Now, you know, Bale came off injured um, and, and Lopetegui will... And to me, I think it, it, it makes sense. You can't not start him because he's one of the few goal-scoring threats in the team. Yeah. Um, his finish against Espanyol was brilliant, by the way. He had those two crazy goals against Croatia in the international yeah. break. I, I, I see it kind of the same way you did. That moment that you mentioned in the first half was like just like... How can you be so unaware of his surroundings to just kick the ball up the field and yeah. try to expect to outrun someone who's clearly like way ahead of yeah. him? Um, you mentioned the, I guess, kind of letting pass games pass him by. Against Sevilla, he was a ghost. Yeah, they needed more movement from him. They needed him to show for the ball more. They had no outlets. Um, Again, Sevilla, great job, man, marking him out of the game or whatever. But you know, there he needs to show up. He needs yeah. to be this, like you know. This self-awareness that he is one of the most talented players in the world, yeah. and he needs to step up and kind of be this 
almost like this alpha male presence. Yeah. There was that breakaway in the second half last night. I felt like, you know, the one where in, in, um, he had a lot of space. It looked like he was through on goal. It was a giveaway from, I want to say, Jimenez maybe or Godin? Godin, I Godin. think, yeah. Um, I feel like the, the Asensio of last season would have been gone. Mm, because It seemed like he kind of just slowed down. Either he was tired or he really thought he needed to get that ball to Benzema early on the opposite side. Yeah, I, I guess that comes down to as well is, the, is what is the ex- expectation of him last year or the year before when he broke into the team. He was like this novelty where yeah. he wasn't expected to even get that chance. He wasn't expected to score it. Like, yeah. Whereas now he's probably thinking, if I'm going to be the player that I'm saying I am and they're saying I am, this has to be a goal and there's no other option. Sure. There's nothing else or else it's failure. Sure. Whereas before it was like, I've broken free now and I've yeah. gotten into my the position. Everything else is a bonus. Whereas now it's like, no, I have to score or else it's a failure. And we're talking about, and it's interesting that Simeone, and this is really interesting as to how Simeone looks at the game. And it, and this is so true. And and we've seen so many times where Atletico Madrid couldn't play on that edge. He said, he said, these games, these derbies, are games about emotions and men and players who can play at the very limit of their emotion and not be affected by it. And a 22-year-old, Kian, I'm sure when you were younger, you were a lot more uh, scattered, a lot more uh, prone to things that happened in your life. Or not prone, you were a lot more affected by things that happened in your life sure. than you are now, maybe. Sure. And, and, and and I think the same with, with Asensio. He needs to... And, and this is going to come in time, with a year, maybe 18 months. And this is actually what separates the very best from the ones who don't make it. They can't figure out how to play it with that emotion. Like, that was an absolutely huge game last night. And the expectation on Asensio, and he's being interviewed with GQ, and, and all of a sudden he's, he's the man. And, and it's, 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 it's figuring out those emotions, and, and it's a really intangible thing. But I think it's very true. And uh, I think the players that fall to the wayside never figure out how to manage those emotions. Whereas the players who do obviously do figure out, and and I think, as I said, a twenty-two-year-old is way more uh, liable to fall prey to those emotions and get caught up in yep. the game and caught up. And as we said, Atletico Madrid have fallen prey to that so many times. They're playing on the edge of that emotion, and they've gotten men sent off before. Just absolutely couldn't handle it. They just couldn't handle the moment. And and you know, and they snapped or they did something silly. And I think that, uh, as we said, coming back to the very first thing we spoke about these games are defined by moments and it's those moments with all the emotion and everything that's happening around you it's the best players in the world the, the very best and we can go back to Ronaldo who was who was arguably the best Messi as well obviously they can handle that moment and whether Asensio can or not I would say yes he is going to be able to but it's going to take six months it's going to take eight months in the first team playing in those moments getting chances in those moments to figure out how he personally deals with them um, another question from Mark Rady. He says, as Bale and Isco are injured, what does Madrid look like for the next few weeks? It looks like a few of our players need rest too. Good to see Ceballos play well in the big match. Madrid feels a bit toothless in attack at the moment. I hope Gabe didn't miss too much of his wedding for the diary. Best of luck for your wedding day and I wish you happy marriage. I'm not sure if his wedding is today or yesterday. But I don't imagine football's on his mind right now. I can't tell he's yeah. listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> in the um, carriage on the way to his yeah. wedding, <laughs> catching up. As he's walking down the aisle. <laughs> yeah. um, I pulled up Real Madrid's schedule here. It's not too bad. I think this, there's never a good time to experience injuries to Marcelo, Isco, Bale. Mm. Um, and for Mordor should be tired. And who else? God knows who else has been playing every day for the past you know year. Um, Moscow away on Tuesday. Alaves away the following Saturday. Then you have an international break. Uh, at home to Levante, not bad. At home to uh, Victoria Pleasant, yeah, yeah. is that how you say it? Uh, and then that's, I mean, that's about as good of a break you're going to get until a Clasico at the end of October. Yeah, well, top of the table clash there against Alaves, you know? This could be... It's true. <laughs> no, but... Uh... That's, I mean, no, actually, you know what? Who's to say that's an easy game? No, no, They're no, flying. Absolutely. They're yeah, flying it be, right it now. It could be a draw, yeah. like, I mean... Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but these they're the kind of games that maybe I haven't really thought about this, so I might have to revise this on a future podcast maybe. But they're the kind of games where Marcelo can decide. Last night, probably maybe uh, like as I said, boom or bust. But but they're the kind of games where you want maybe Marcelo rather than Nacho because Nacho's fine defensively and sure. solid. He'll give you seven out of ten, seven point five out of ten every game. Whereas in those in in those kind of games where teams sit back against you, that's when you need Marcelo, you know. Um, yeah. uh, and 
yeah, you'll miss him in that instance, and you'll miss Isco in that instance. But at the same time, we've seen, and 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 we're coming back to emotions, we're coming back to the details, to the to the nitty gritty of of games. Ceballos is a player now full of confidence. Yeah, he struggled, and I and I think I do you know what I was actually hoping that because I really like him as a player, and he, against Bilbao he was taken off, and and against. Uh, Sevilla he come on he just kicked around the place and he had no chance they were 3 alone I mean the most unfavourable situation the Bilbao game wasn't really his fault because of the way that Bilbao set up and there was no one played really that well in that first half he was taken off at half time last night was the first instance where he came on with favourable uh, circumstances like circumstances where he could actually do something and try. I think he absolutely passed the test he's a player now who Lopetegui has uh has confidence in he convinced him to stay in the summer like he said it in the summer he said if if, Lopete- if Zidane had a stayed he said I, it's pretty clear he said I would have been looking for an exit and Lopetegui came in convinced him to stay has given him plenty of minutes I think I think I said it last recently at this stage or maybe a game or two ago at this at that stage of the season after four or five or six games he had four minutes hmm. now he has like in yeah. the hundreds already yeah, yeah. so we're, he's only going to get better He's only going to give, and when this goes back, he's only going to. Now it might get a little bit. That kind of might be a bad thing because he might get a little bit. It might get a little bit too complicated, and Lopetegui might overthink it, uh, and he might uh, be forced the kind of to make certain decisions and and, and things like that. But uh, I think um, I think we're looking at a player now, Ceballos, who will he he love that game against Alaves. He loved those games in the Champions League against Moscow, and I think he's a player with confidence now, and he could just be. Real Madrid will be absolutely fine before uh, Isco comes back. The only thing I would say is I'd worry maybe if Isco isn't back for that game, and then you're looking at okay, hurry on there, bud. We we kind of need you. I'd like. be I my hunch is I'd be surprised if he's back for the Clasico. Yeah, because he's gonna have to get fit. It's, gonna it's to... not easy recovering. I'm only saying because my sister actually went through this same surgery, mm. and um, it's it was tough. Like yeah, it yeah. was really tough recovery. I mean, he may be, but I. I, my hunch is that he may not be. No, um, I don't, yeah. yeah. And, and, and and the other thing we have to remember is he looked a little bit sluggish to begin with anyway uh, this season. He was just finding his feet. He was getting back into his groove. See, we were yeah. seeing the Isco of old maybe in the last two games. And then you get hit with this. I think he's gonna. it's going to take him just a little bit longer than maybe... Just to get back might. into it. Yeah. But. Um, <clears throat> Sad Omar says, I believe Lopetegui is the wrong person for the job. His style of play is failing spectacularly against every significant opposition we have gone against. We're playing a high-possession style with a team full of players with who predominantly flourish on a counter-attacking style. He's imposing an outdated Barca pass-all-day style that was effective with the national team, but very ineffective with the personnel that Real Madrid has. What odds do you give Lopetegui at lasting past this season? Why is Lopetegui favoring Lucas over Mariana when we need goals? Is it favoritism towards their countryman, Alazidan? So I, I don't think and there's any country favoritism. I think that's just rubbish. But I, um, yeah, it's the same thing that, you know, everyone was like criticizing Lopetegui, always going to favor all the Barca players. That just, just didn't happen. Yeah. I think, um, and by the way, Mariano is still eligible for call for Spain. If, yeah, if that yeah. counts for anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing is true in this. It's that so far we've had four tests. Yeah. Atletico Super Cup mm-hmm. lost. Bilbao. Bilbao tied. Sevilla. Sevilla lost. Atletico tied. We haven't gotten... I mean, did, I, on the flip side, it's nothing unique. Uh, Sid Lowe put out a tweet a couple of days ago where he went back to the last, I want to say, 27 games against Barcelona and Real Madrid. It's just not a good record. No. Um what so I don't know how much you want to pin that on Lopetegui. I really think that last night was a difficult match. I yeah. really think that fans can't just expect to go into a game like this for three points. Again, tweaks and some things you could have done different, sure, but no manager will get all those things perfect and all, a lot of these things you only will learn after the game and once you kind of go back and analyze it. I think Atletico were spectacular defensively. Um, I think we had a couple chances which we didn't take, which would have changed the conversation. Um, in terms of does Lopetegui have the personnel for this, he, his strength is in midfield, which is the same strength as Spain. Brain, like brainiacs in central midfield, like Modric, Cruz, Isco, Ceballos, who can, who can dictate possession. It's part of their game. Um, and I, I think that a lot of teams just won't allow you to play counterattacking. Yeah. 
Yeah. Literally, we see we can see Real Madrid play counterattacking four or five times a year, and it's in the Champions League against teams like Bayern, PSG, who will actually go at you. Yeah, yeah. No one else in La Liga is going to go at you like that to allow you to play. You can't counterattack against such a deep team against Atletico. Like Atletico. No, 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 absolutely. Yeah, and I think that that's the same problem that Atletico had, uh, like maybe when they first started getting better. At first, teams would go at them and they could counterattack, and then all of a sudden, uh, teams used to try and beat them at home, like beat them in, in their home. And all of a sudden, it went from three points is a good result against Atletico to will settle for a point and being under under pressure. And that's when Simeone had to switch and try to kind of think of it. He had to adjust his style and adjust the way that Atletico play. And while there was no revolution, as they say, there was there was evolution. And we're seeing that now with... Um, we saw it with Spain and Lopetegui, and, and that was something that was levelled at at Spain under Lopetegui and, and at Spain in general for, for years now, is that there's no directness. And I think that... I think that... Lopetegui has been let down in by Florentino and not not let down but like because I've, I've been trying to figure out what Perez is doing in terms of um, the their transfer strategy like and I understand that they're not going to get involved in and and, and they're not going to get involved in the in a crazy transfer market and and buy players for ridiculous amounts of money when you're not really entirely sure about them I think that's why they left PSG alone this year they were like we're not going to get into a, a, a war here with uh, with PSG and because PSG felt like they were kind of ready to go scorched earth strategy. It's just that the market right now is just crazy. Yeah. And but they stuck with Benzema and yeah. it felt like it feels like we it, for a while with Ronaldo it was it, Benzema got by because uh, Real Madrid were winning and, and things like that. But like I mean you, you you were there last night. Did you hear the whistles for Benzema? Yeah. Like it was fairly. It was really. It was quite. I mean, bad. That's nothing new. Yeah, no, no, I understand, but it that's just going to k- keep getting worse. And I think that Benzema, and and what I feel like it was, I think it was kind of magical thinking from Real Madrid in the summer. If we keep saying we believe in him, if we keep saying it'll be fine, it'll be fine. When all the evidence points to the fact that it won't be fine, and I think that Benzema, and and I and I don't mean to disparage the chap, and it's it's hard enough, but. I think maybe he could have done with a move away and bring in someone maybe like Icardi or maybe Mariano can take that place. But I just think that with the goals that they lost uh, with Ronaldo, I think they're playing Benzema there, who's not... Like, I mean, like you said, he was running into... And I understand Atletico were kind of crowding him out, but Atletico knew that there was a chance to dispossess him when he got the ball and they were kind of targeting him a little bit. He was getting The ball was getting caught under his feet. There was one stage he ran over it and back heeled it away lost possession and like the Bernabeu was getting on his back and I just feel like Lopetegui if he had so he brought Diego Costa into his Spanish side to kind of fix that directness and maybe someone who could kind of uh, slice through a, a packed defence Yeah, I think Real Madrid need a striker a focal point someone who's just going to uh, maybe have a go and, and Benzema isn't that kind of a, a striker for as that, good as he played in the yeah. second half and he improved but but Real Madrid, there is with Real Madrid and the fans, there is no context a lot of the time. You either score or you fail. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's not, oh well, hold on now, his XG. You either score <laughs> or you fail. Yeah. It's not a case of there's nothing else. There's no grey area. It's either you score and you win, or it's fail. It's failure. And I think Benzema, too often, relies on the card. Not relies on the card. This is the player that he is. He is the kind of player who isn't going to score, but he will facilitate in many ways. And then when they when they don't win, the yeah, the yeah. drops on him, and the the judge and is uh, the, the judgment is made. And I think that Real Madrid need a striker who's a little bit more direct. I don't think there's any question that this summer we put our eggs in a risky basket. Yeah. You're, so you're relying on one Bale's health, which, by the way, I don't. I mean, I haven't seen the diagnosis yet to even know what this this is. It may yeah, not be anything yeah. serious. I'm not. It's not based on what happened last night. It's an overload. It's a sobrecargo. Okay. An overload. Yeah. But yeah. they were going to assess not, it this morning, so I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Don't know. Um, you, so one, you're relying on that, and the second thing, you're relying on an uptick in Benzema, uh, on virtually zero sample size. Because yeah. we've never known what it was like to have Benzema without Ronaldo. Yeah. You're relying on, okay, so without Ronaldo, he's going to thrive at yeah. the age of 30. What is he now? 30, I think? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, we wrote about this a lot over the summer. It was like, okay, we can we can understand the logic around uh, uh, behind a lot of this, but it's a risky. It's risky. Um, yeah. 
And again, who knows? Maybe Real Madrid will rebound and win uh, the treble. Unlikely, but you know they may win yeah. the league. I think. I think when you see Benzema cool off and Bale not around, then you start really seeing um, some of these issues surface. And the, and your point about maybe Real Madrid just needs someone, a presence like a target, mm. like an Icardi, which who probably wasn't available anyway because yeah. I think he loves Inter. Um, or a Mariano, which was actually has been lacking against Espanyol, Sevilla, and Atletico. Yeah. That presence has been lacking, and if we're being real, yeah. So, and I, as you said, it's a risky basket, but it was the only basket available yeah. <laughs> in many ways. Yeah. Well, there was another very, very, very expensive basket <laughs> that they could have maybe, but that was that was uh, unviable. But yeah, like as they you got said, really lucky, I think, that Sevilla wanted to, to yeah, trigger yeah, the Mariano saying, thing, yeah, yeah. right? I was actually thinking about that though, but 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 like. Why didn't Real Madrid just buy him? Uh, I think with the way some another team triggers his clause or wants to purchase him, they actually get him for cheaper, right? Ah, okay. Yeah. So ah. instead of paying like 40-something million, they pay like 20-something. Ah, okay. Because I was thinking about that because after the game we were at recently, we sat down and chatted and you explained that to me. And I, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was kind of thinking about it after. I was like, oh, yeah, yes. Uh, yeah. Kian dropping some knowledge on me. And I was thinking <laughs> Rare, about, but it happened. No, no, no. But I, and I was thinking about that and I was like, oh, that, that's really, yeah. So, so Sevilla saved the day for Real Madrid. And the more I thought about it, and I was like, but why didn't they just buy him? But now that makes sense because if they get that and then there's a cheaper option, okay. Which isn't a great vote of confidence for, for Mariano. Did they really want him then? Like, I mean, not, okay, obviously, there's a... a they gave him the jockey. seven. There's a little... The what? They gave him the seven. That that that, that, that oh, yeah, cancels yeah. the... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, okay, I understand that there's a bar of chocolate there and it's 10 euro. No, I'm not going to... I don't want it to 10 you euro. You only buy it on I, I sale. Love it. Yeah, but yeah. I buy it for a euro. And I get that. But... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like, no, it's an have, interesting perspective. No, but it doesn't have... The bar doesn't have feelings so it doesn't know that I didn't yeah. want it at 10 <laughs> no but I'm just wondering how badly they wanted him um, and like they told Mayoral to stay and he was stung by that Mayoral said I'm going to stay and they, they've convinced him to stay and all of a sudden Mariano was like eh yeah that's a slight upgrade maybe let's do that well, and it was like okay how much do you actually believe in this they, they it's, I, and it was, it was also a situation where they just couldn't say no not only for the price mm. because from a PR perspective yeah, Mariano goes to Sevilla Life's League on fire yeah, you just and Benzema's and not it comes scoring. out then that they rejected it. And yeah. yeah, no, no, and and, and Perez said about the the DNA and and, the, and and he's got Real Madrid in his blood and he, he he's got that kind of. But that's what yeah, and and Fernando Morientes came out and said he kind of similar I suppose to Mariano in many ways, and he was like he's the player that they needed. He goes, he said Benzema, and this is exactly what I'm saying. Benzema's more of a ten, um, but uh, and Mariano's the player that Real Madrid needed, and I feel like that, but we haven't seen that. Um, and I, I'm sure there'll be chances now in the next few weeks to see that. And uh, yeah, this is coming back to the kind of the CYA style of coaching, the kind of cover your ass style of coaching. It's so risky to start Mariano in a game because you, there's so much collateral damage if you drop Benzema. Benzema's confidence is shattered, you're gone. Mariano comes on, doesn't play well. And then all of a sudden, Lopetegui is seen as someone who comes in disrupting everything, and, and but you're still not winning. So now he's got maybe Pilsen, they've got Moscow, they've got Alaves, they've got Levante. Couple of chances here for Mariano to really show himself. And we're going to see now how much they believe in the, the Mariano Diaz project. You, ha I think you have to go soon. You're yeah, done? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... I guess we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I will, I'll answer some questions later on my own. Um, I hope the podcast is okay. If you hear background noise, it's because like, you know, we're, we're at a disco. We're at a disco club. <laughs> and it's actually quite, there's this paradise because it's like a disco at, at uh, 2.30 p.m. And there's birds chirping. There's music playing. There's kids singing. There was a kid crying earlier, a dog barking. It's quite a spectacular yeah. disco. I was trying to convince. It's also like 30 degrees. It's hot in here. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to convince Kian to tell the listeners that we've been at the disco all night and we're just continuing, yeah, continuing yeah. on into the early morning. But that's not the, the case. It's we, the journalism we, grind. We both got very good night's sleep last night. We did. We did. Um, thank you, Robbie Dunn. No problem. Uh, appreciate all your work, all, all that you do. I'm sure we'll do this in person again. Um, and. Uh, I guess until next time, thank you for listening. Adios. All right, Robbie's gone. This is, uh, I guess, part two. Literally, like, he's just, he just got and I'm still here recording in this. It's a gorgeous park, by the way. This is a, a park that uh, Alex Kirkland introduced me to when, on our podcast uh, last year. And it's, it's, just a, it's just a nice, it's a nice ambiance. Um, good for recording podcasts. Um, next patron question is from Adrian Rios. He says, 
I have two criticisms slash questions. One, when can we start blaming Lopetegui for these horrible subs? Not bringing in Mariano when Benzema was playing sloppy and instead you bring in Lucas Vasquez? I don't even know what he offered. Uh, two, is this... Well, let's, let's address the first one. I agree with not bringing in Mariano uh, being a, just a, a bad call. I think he was... He was everything that, one of the things that Real Madrid needed was just that presence that Robbie and I were just talking about throughout this podcast. So I agree with you there. Lucas Vazquez, I'm assuming the logic behind it, and I didn't even get a chance to ask Lopetegui about this after the game. Um, by the time I got in the press conference, it was actually, um, uh, I was late for the Simeone presser, and then I had to go um, shortly after, so I didn't even stick around. So I don't even, I'm, I'm not sure if he addressed why Lucas Vazquez was brought on, but uh, to me, the logic behind it was probably that Atletico are a team that can literally do nothing for 90 minutes and in the 91st decide to score. And if Real Madrid are in that situation, my only thought process behind this is that Lucas Vazquez can help defend tra- in transition on the counterattack. So that's, you know, to me, I, I think you could have just gotten away with having... Casemiro play a bit deeper and Real Madrid just continually winning possession half the pitch as they had been doing in the second half with Ceballos. I agree with you on that one, uh, Adrian. The second part of this question, uh, Adrian says, is this Modric's last season with us? It feels like the smartest thing to do for Perez is to sell Modric in the summer as his stock is still relatively high and promise Kovacic's position. Um, so again, I think you know we kind of address this. I'm not saying whether they should or they shouldn't but we'll know at the end of the season kind of where both of these players are in their trajectory. And, uh, and you know, we, we kind of laid out what's, what's kind of happening with both of them. But it's not inconceivable. Modric has a great year uh, and does great things with us this season. I also just think that Real Madrid will have to really figure out. And it also depends on what Kovacic is thinking too. It really feels like maybe he's just done with Madrid. I don't know. Um, but we'll see. Chris Wilkie says... Is it Reguillon time? This, so this this question came in before the game, but I think it's it's some it's a game that we it's a question we want to address still. It just is interesting to speak about. Chris says, with Marcelo unfortunately out for a bit, will the Mister give some real chances to Sergio Reguillon at left back? I love Nacho. We know he bleeds white, but Reguillon looked promising in preseason and could give us a youthful boost as soon as the derby this weekend. It seems to me that many of our terrific veterans have tired legs and could use the injection of energy a young, promising player like Reguilón could have. So I think that Reguilón, it's interesting because a lot of us just couldn't stop talking about him. And by us, I mean just like the media, um, not necessarily me in general. I liked him. I saw him a lot with Castilla last season. He was one of their best players. He looked promising in the preseason. It is kind of strange that he just kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. He's not with Castilla and he's not playing with the A-team. He's training with the A-team and that's about it. Um, If there's a time to play him, it would be logical to do it around this upcoming schedule that has some easier games. Um, But again, I don't know how much you want to, I guess, dig deep into your roster to kind of unearth him. My feeling is you probably get away with playing him against Vitoria Pleasant um, before the Classico. I don't know if Ilpategi tries him before that. Maybe a cameo against Alaves, although that's a really difficult game. They've been flying under Abelardo. Um, I don't know if he's, it's, Levante is a good, good game for him. I think that Nacho is, is starting to burn out a little bit, is my feeling. He played a lot in the World Cup. He's been playing a lot due to injuries, suspension. Vallejo still is another one, by the way, we just haven't seen it in a long time. Um, I think if we say Virgil Yon, it would, it would be, it would make sense to see him now-ish. Um, I just don't know what it looks like, or if Lopetegui trusts him enough to put him over Nacho. Sheikh Atiri, last couple questions. He says, "I'd never heard somebody pronouncing Sanchez Pijuan as Kian does. What is the Spanish pronunciation?" Unfortunately, I don't have anyone to really grab and ask right now. Uh, I will say, um, I you know, I thought I did an okay job of saying it, Sanchez Pijuan, um, but. Maybe in, in the future, if I get a Spanish-speaking person on the podcast, then I'll just ask them to, um, to say it. Just remind me. Second question. Kion, you're a fellow Persian. How dare you put any cuisine above Persian? Traitor. Um, look, you know, na- nationalities, these things, and it's, we've become such an intertwined, intermixed species now that, you know, we're all kind of from everywhere. I have an aunt that's Sri Lankan. Um, and nothing beats her cooking. That's all. I, I gotta say it. Uh, 
Persian cuisine, having said that, really is unparalleled if you get the right stuff. There is no, nothing better, like the curries we make, um, there's, there's a lot of good things in Persian cuisine. Uh, and actually, R Robbie actually wanted to talk about this. I'm sad that he had to leave. He, he saw the question. He was like, oh, let's talk about that. I don't know what he, he had in his mind, but unfortunately, he can't kind of speak for it. Um, Lucas Navarrete and I, he will die on the hill that nothing beats a Spanish rice. But I've been trying to explain to him, you don't know rice until you eat Persian rice. Because the amount of oil um, and, and kind of condiments and stuff that complement the Persian rice the saffron, everything, it's, it's incredible. Um, all right, I got to head out of this park. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Um, I hope the sound was okay. Um, I guess Wednesday, I think Gabe will be back, so we'll do a midweek show for our patrons. On Tuesday, Matt Wilty, Sam Sharp, and I will record a Lone Tracker, Tracker podcast for our patrons. A lot to talk about because we, um, we had a lot going on. Kovacic playing well for Chelsea. Ashraf, an assist to... Uh, Alcácer in Dortmund's win over the weekend. He also scored a, a goal earlier in the week uh, in Dortmund's thrashing. So, uh, and Oscar, you know, Oscar scoring against Barca. That was another one. There's a lot going on with Real Madrid's Bolognese. Um, later today, I'm going to be watching Odegaard, I'm going to be watching Mayoral, and I'm going to be watching um, someone else. I can't remember. The schedule is all mixed up. I have to look at the schedule. But um, this is Kian Sobani signing off and Hala Madrid. Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus 30 per month times 24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate. Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus 30 per month times 24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.